All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Mission 300 podcast. It has been a long time since we have recorded an episode in this kind of setting. Brian is back in a foreign land and uh, we're all on Zoom again together. So we've been having a great time in person for a while, but now it's time to get back to our basics and record the way that we're used to. So uh, we got an interesting discussion lined up here. Um, Tommy has been thinking about this idea of discipline and being stuck in ruts in life and kind of how these things all come together. So I'm just going to toss it over to you, Tommy. What are we going to talk about tonight? Tonight, uh, the topic I kind of thought about was getting out of a rut. Uh, For me personally, I felt like this summer has been super weird because I've been in kind of a daily habit of I have an internship this summer. So I've been working consistent hours, you know, the nine to five. But yet I still kind of feel in a rut. And for me, it's always been interesting when I get back like to school, it feels like a new sense of purpose, if that makes sense. It's like, I always have projects, I always have activities to do or things to complete. But with my internship, it's seemed kind of mundane and just kind of the next step. Like, it's kind of like, a there's not really an excitement to the next day, because I don't really have something I want to accomplish. And so I just wanted to kind of throw out like a bigger, bigger question of like, how do you find purpose and pursuit like outside of like for me outside of school like for when i graduate how do i find a bigger purpose a bigger pursuit to go out go out and accomplish instead of feeling like every day kind of just going through life you know and and instead actually feel like i'm living life and like doing something so kind of a big question but just want to hear your guys initial thoughts on it do you mean kind Can of I like clarify yeah, like purpose hopping. So school is one purpose, but when that's done, you need another one to replace that. Or do you mean? I would, I guess I don't really feel like school is my purpose, but it gives a sense of accomplishment because it's like, oh, like I, I know I have tasks to do and I'm working towards this bigger goal of graduating. But then after school, it's you get a job and then is it just promotions or is there something more I should be reaching for? if that makes sense. And maybe it doesn't to you guys. Maybe it does. I don't know. Well, if I can get a clarifying, uh, another clarifying question is you say like when you start into school, it's like newness and there's all these activities. So there's this sense of productivity. So is it that you, there's a sense of productivity, but you didn't really state, was it productive this summer or not productive this summer? It was productive. But it, it feels different because I, it's not like a long-term invested thing, I would say. Whereas like school maybe feels like a little bit longer term. So it's like I've been doing this for multiple years. So I kind of know the process and I know like, okay, I need to be disciplined in each one of these areas. Whereas this was a little bit different, whereas just a summer. But I got in a good discipline and I got in a good routine, but it didn't feel like I was accomplishing much. Did you get paid for the summer? Yes, I did. And you have to pay for your school. Right. Does that have a, does that have an effect on which one you see as more productive? Maybe in a sense. I think the, the most interesting thing about this though, is that I feel like I've learned a lot more from my internship than I have with some classes in school. I think I think school has given me a good basis, but this internship has really like 
I feel like I'm way ahead now because of what I've learned that I wouldn't have learned if I jumped into the workforce like a year from now, if that makes sense. One final question on that. And then you got one to hear more. If you were, if you did not get paid to do your internship, would you have sought out more value in what you were doing for the internship? Yeah, that's a great point. I probably would have. There probably would have been a lot more of, I want to ask more questions and maybe ch- challenge myself a little bit more. I think that's a, that's a very valid point. Like that's a good point of, I guess it's maybe could be of how I looked at the internship and how I look at school maybe. So you're saying if you, if you wouldn't have gotten paid for it, you would have been more invested mentally in it. Probably. Yeah. Would it be fair to say that like that reason is because you'd have to find something that would make it just as valuable as you getting paid an equal value, not necessarily monetary value. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. I think that's definitely part of it. I think it's just interesting to me, the fact that like I did learn a lot, but now looking back, like at what you're saying, Brian and Caleb, that if I hadn't got paid, I probably would have invested more in different ways instead of maybe just time. I maybe probably would have tried to do tackle a few different things and maybe ask more questions. And I, I think probably get out of it what I should monetarily, but in value, like you were saying, Caleb. So not to make a standard that this is the reason why you got more out of it or not. It's probably just a factor, Mm -hmm. but I think it ties into your other question, just going through life or actually living. We can get into the mundane of going through life. And I think there's part of it that that's part of, that's normal. Like if you were a farmer There'd be a rhythm that you created. You get up at a certain time, certain seasons, there'd be a process, right? Because I think we need some of that. Otherwise your brain would just overwhelm if everything was brand new constantly. Like you need some things that become rhythmic that you don't have to think about anymore. You just do that thing. But then how do you live? How do you make sure life just doesn't become that in and of itself? I think there's something to, even as you're describing that, there's something to the idea of, I want to get something out of this that's different than just the monetary exchange. Because most people go to school to or get a job to get the monetary exchange. If we're going to use that as the, the first baseline example, then once they get that job, a lot of them won't like it, but they get a good enough monetary exchange that they We'll just keep doing it and just get used to it and just accommodate to it. But to me, it's almost like their whole pursuit of living brought them to a point where they just get into that, that rhythm. So the bigger question is, how do you keep yourself sharp in life? How do you keep yourself being intentional in doing something that expands you while still at times having to do some of the mundane stuff? Like Jason, you know, raising small children, sometimes it just gets mundane. It's just, okay, here's the cycle. I know what tomorrow's going to be. Like there might be some variety, but it's pretty much the same, but you still need to spark something, but yet that's still part of a normal part of growth. So maybe if you guys can help separate, if we could separate some of those two compartments of the necessity and the change. I think you hit it right on with what you were saying. Like I felt exactly how you're describing. It was like, I felt 
almost like the discipline of like going to work every day and all that kind of stuff, it kind of lulled me to sleep to where there wasn't, there wasn't like a, a purpose outside of like, Oh, I just got to go to work today. And then that's kind of it. There wasn't like anything that, like you were saying, kept me sharp and engaged. And like, I mean, sure. At times the work was like, well, I haven't done this before. Like I need to learn. I need to be active. And then other stuff was just like, Oh, just need to go through and just keep going. And so I just, I think that's really where it hit is like, how do I keep focused and like engaged on what I know I want to do versus being like lulled to sleep by a paycheck. I mean, and it could be, it could be other things too. Maybe you're not lulled to sleep by a paycheck, but you're lulled to sleep by some other activity that masks what you really want to do. I don't know. Hmm. Drinking, smoking, watching porn there's a million other things that can lull you from your purpose and that type of things but how do you how do you guys personally stay out of that mundane and find ways to stay active and sharp with what you want to do but can we agree those other things you that are real negative consequences to our life usually fall in because we can't see something sharper but the moment something happens even traumatic where your brain has to put all of its energy you find those things aren't a part of that like all of a yep. sudden you you've almost forget about them. Like you could step out of those for a while. Mm-hmm. So there's an interesting cycle there. Can you give an example of what you're talking about, Brian? Like, like a, like you said, with something traumatic where your brain has to, are you saying like, if you're at work and like something happens at your job and then you kind of get shocked out of the mundane or I wasn't. Yeah. Sure I got a, a, a great immediate thing and I won't tell the long story of it. Um, but just even like when we planned our vacation to Yellowstone, we had it all laid out. We budgeted for it. We're going to be here for so many days. We're going to be in Mount Rushmore for so many days. This was over the 4th of July weekend, uh, last couple months. And we had everything just planned and we had our rhythm and it started out that way. We got to Mount Rushmore. We spent so many hours here. We spent so many hours here. We spent so many hours here and it was fun. But then when our transmission went out on the way to Yellowstone, everything changed because nothing was going to be normal now. And there were 63 miracles that had to take place for us to get back home. And so a real long story, which was amazing, chain of events, but we found ourselves in Cody for seven days. And it was the first time we couldn't do anything but enjoy Cody, Wyoming. And we didn't plan on going there, but we found this museum. It was amazing. We went to a rodeo and it was the first time on a vacation. We really were all in on what we were doing because we could do nothing else. Like it was the first time all of our sensory was in just enjoying what was in front of us. Cause that's all there was. And it was one of the best experiences of my life, but my point was the mundane things got broken because there was nothing mundane. You had no idea what the next day was going to turn out like. You had no idea what the outcome would be. You had no idea if a transmission would show up, someone could take it in, we could work on it, where we were going to stay that night. You, you, there was just all you could do was enjoy you, or find something to enjoy. Let me just say it that way. And it, and it was great but we had to make that decision because everything else was broken apart. But because it was, 
we found better things within ourselves. We found better time together. We found things that we had ignored in the process just over time. So it wasn't necessarily that a bad habit went away, but those numbing habits of just going through the process of this is what we do every day, all that got broken. And all of a sudden there was this new excitement, this new adventure, uh, new things were in front of us it, when it was kind of nerve wracking and it was, how's this going to happen? Let's make the best of it. And we had to kind of jostle through. That's what I mean. Whatever you were, all that got broken when you're something new pops up in front of you. Uh, but to your point, even on the negative, you could be going through something negative in life and you get in that doldrum of negative and then someone comes along and offers you something that stirs your heart out of that. And all of a sudden you forget all that and you're going, but over time you'll create the same mundane, even in the new thing. And that's when those old habits all start creeping back in because you're back into that cycle again. And we could talk more about that, but that's what I was meaning by something impactful changes. You, you will let go of things and you find, wow, you can change, but it won't be long before the mundane starts again because you'll find a way to create a rhythmic cycle to it. I feel like um, people in my generation, kind of what I've heard, especially with people going to college, some of my friends going to college for things that they don't necessarily want to go for. The mentality is like, we're willing to go through the mundane stuff to sometimes have the thing that's outside the mundane. And so do you think like in your example it, with the Yellowstone incident that it was kind of like by chance, but do you think you can create that? Because I think a lot of people's mentality is I'm going to sacrifice this amount of time to get this money through the mundane thing that I don't like to do just to be able to go do something that I do like to do. And I don't know. I think I neutral on that i'm not sure if that's like a good thing or bad thing i can see how it affects people badly but like do you think you can create things like to get you out of the mundane i'm pretty sure i mean i know you can but i think most people don't think like that like oh we're going to go do something that's outside the routine besides i think we need it we probably need to clarify a point that one extreme if all you lived is in this newness every single day with no routine. You won't be good at anything because you're always in a brand new experimental. You'll be good at coping with that. Like you'll be able to have a, a, an endurance to change happening all the time, but it, it's going to be hard for you to plant anything. So I think first is we do need to make the adjustment, but, I don't like using the term, well, we just need a balanced life because that gets weird too. I, I think they're both critical components and they're both good pillars that you have to have. But I don't know if that's the question that needs to be addressed. The real question is, and I, I'm going to use this, Tommy, and I know there's more to it than this is, one is I need to get here so I can get enough resources and earn my living so then I can go do the things that I want to do. W would we be safe that that's kind of a very simple but kind of a general idea of why people work to begin with? I'm going to go do the thing 
generally that could be mundane that I have to do in order to earn the income so I could do the thing that I really want to do. So in some aspect, if income's coming in and what you do doesn't generate more income, at some point, how does your work performance usually go? It becomes pretty dry. Agreed? We all agree. Kind of agree. I know there's exceptions to this, so let's just stay in a, a general. Now, if, you're, if your value, the thing you were doing was not to earn income, but to gain value of who you were as a person, now you're going to keep driving within the company or within that industry and connecting, right? But once you hit a peak and you're kind of the guy, you eventually find that same cycling. You're not really looking for new. At some point, you're going to want to assert your authority. You're going to want to assert what you've gained over someone else, if that's your reason. But I think this is digging into a different question. What if we changed what we were pursuing? Can we always have a sense of newness and a sense of rhythm that is constantly working together to progress us to something higher? So maybe the real question is our objectives could be wrong. So we keep trying to find something to counteract the other thing. Like some people need some rhythm in their life. You're too chaotic. You need to get some kind of order. And some people need, you need a little chaos because your order is killing you, right? Just kind of like the Jordan Peterson chaos order thing. Mm -hmm. But I think you're still just trying to manage and you're not really, we're not really asking the right question. What is the thing that we're really wanting from chaos and order that's causing us to move beyond that? I just want to add kind of like a personal example to this as well. I think what you're talking about is spot on with like, what's above both the chaos and order because I would say last school year was chaos for me. There was no rhythm. There was, I mean, there was a class schedule, but there was staying up until five in the morning and then going to class and then sleeping throughout the day and then going to work and then doing, you know, all just a crazy schedule, then back to a normal schedule. And then the summer I was hit with discipline scheduled X, Y, Z. There was no, fluctuation and you know all this and i think what you kind of are talking about is that there needs to be something above this that if there's a little bit more order than chaos it's still good if there's a little bit more chaos and order that's all right but it's leading to something more and i think that's what we're kind of hitting on because i mean one of the things that sparked me this summer was i was listening to a jordan peterson thing and one of his things was just make a schedule and just follow through with that schedule. And so then I started doing that this summer. And now it's like I went from one to extreme to the other extreme. And I think that's what's kind of throwing me off in the how do I live, but how do I stay disciplined? And how do I know that, like, I've always been taught and kind of experienced on my own that, like, discipline creates a freedom in the sense of, like, when you're disciplined in other areas, it creates freedom in other areas to do more of what you want to do. And so like, how do you stay balanced in between that? I think that that's a, a question I guess I have. Let's bring this back to this original question of living and uh, just going through life, go, just on that journey from I'm born, I function, and then I die. 
And then there's the, I got to have life. I got to have goals and dreams. And it's all about this, this new thing. And I'm going to, I can be anything that I want and da, 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 da. So I, I kind of look at that kind of as the, if we were to categorize that, that could be almost more of the chaotic side. And then you have the other side, which would be considered more of the order side. Mm-hmm. Is the order side like security and like nothing crazy going on basically and consistency? I would say your your rhythms, your cadence, like if you're trying to build muscle, you got to have some kind of system and order. You, you just You can't just be random because your body won't actually grow. You might expose it to more things, but you won't become strong. So strength demands some kind of rhythm. So you need the dream and goal, but then at some point you got to take that and add some order to it. The second thing is if every time you went and buttoned your shirt and you had to think about that, you'd go crazy. There's things you need to do just out of habit. So you could do that. So habits are good. Like we need habits. Uh, We can't be run by our habits, but we need to have habits. Otherwise you'd be wasting energy all day long. So you can't do the habits without some of that order. So is that kind of, that's how I'm looking at it anyway. But there's a reason that we're trying to get it. For instance, don't worry about your life, what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear, what you're going to put on. Isn't your body more than food and your, your, your more than raiment, right? Isn't our life more than that? So don't worry. So we, we tell people, don't worry about what you're going to eat. Just God will take care of you. But our, we don't, our brains don't work like that. But it actually says, seek first this. So it tells you what we are to be seeking because your worrying is going to take you away from what you're seeking. But if we put our energy into the seeking, you won't be worrying. I, I kind of jumped off topic, but we'll come back to that topic. So my point of that is, if we're worrying, if we're trying to deal with order and chaos in our life, but we don't really know why we're doing either one of those two things. If you're absolutely chaotic life and you add order to it, there's going to be a sense of value and esteem and confidence that will come, but in time, it's going to lose it. You're going to end up wanting some chaos to prove you're alive again, because you're going to feel dead over here after a while. And then if you're over alive, then you're going to want to feel dead. And so we're always in this, that's that yin and yang type of thinking of Asian thought. But the problem with either one of those two thoughts is there's an element of truth to it, but it doesn't have a higher purpose to it. It's just how do I find my happy medium and make it through life? Again, it's just really a mechanism to get through life. But with the kingdom of God is, is a completely different way of thinking. So it said, don't worry about what you're going to wear which is referring to your value, your position, how you're looked at in society. Think about everyone who received a robe through the Old Testament or the New Testament for that matter. Why were they given a robe? It represented their position within their family and their position within society. So when it's comparing Solomon in all his glory wasn't arrayed like the lilies of the field. It was referring to their position and how they're looked at with God. So now we don't have to work to get value from the society around us. That's first of all. Second, we don't have to be like the nations that are seeking what they're going to eat, what they're going to wear. We don't have to be like them. 
because God will take care of us. How will he take care of us? We have to eat. We have to supply. We, how are we going to pay our bills? How are we going to function in life, right? Because those things create that chaos order conundrum. But God had a different idea within seeking first the kingdom of God, which means you're of something different. So now I'm already taken care of in those things. And now everything I do, I go to work so I can advance, so I can advance other people. So I don't have to work to take care of my needs. I go to work to advance so I can actually provide something for someone else. That that whole idea of being pulled towards something and, and not the primary focus being don't do this even that that actually kind of even applies to the 10 commandments because if when you say it's not about don't do this every a lot of people might think well thou shalt not this thou shalt not this but if you look at exodus 20 before he goes into the 10 commandments the first thing he says is i am the lord your god who brought you out of the land of egypt out of the house of bondage so talking about bringing them to the promised land. So you're leaving something behind because I'm bringing you towards something. And then even in the new Testament, when Jesus is asked about this, what's the greatest commandment, love the Lord, your God. That's, that's a pro towards something. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. So all of these things are, this is the goal. This is what's in sight. And there will be things you have to let go of and leave behind along the way. But I think that's the entire point of the kingdom of God. It's if you know what you're being pulled towards, then it's easier to kind of, it, it makes it more, I guess, navigatable or able to be navigated on that journey of, okay, I'm in a rut now. And I don't know if I need more structure or less structure, because that's, that's where this question comes from. Ultimately, is there something that's not quite right? And I'm stuck in something and I, do I need more structure? Do I need more freedom? Do I need to loosen up my schedule? Do I need to tighten up my schedule? All of, all of those things depend on what the goal is, or I guess your approach will be determined by what the goal is. And I think we forget that a lot because we get stuck in the specifics of all the day-to-day and all the mundane things. And we tend to maybe forget the goal and the spark of that goal from personal experience, I can, you know, working at a tech company from when it was young and in the, you know, startup exciting phase of a company's life, it's a very different energy then, as opposed to a few years later, when you transition to, well, we need more structure, we need more, uh, everything has to be more uniform. And you tend to kind of, you get some benefits from that, but at the same time, at least in, in my experience of this example, I'm not saying this always has to be the case, but when you focus so much on that, the structure and making sure everything is uniform and the creativity gets a little bit boxed out. And so now everything just becomes the same. You start to lose focus on what that goal was in the first place, because now you're not trying to pursue that goal. You're just trying to pursue making your structure pretty. Which wouldn't you say that's trying to be clothed? So the people looking on the investors will look like it's, it, it is a package they want to have. So it's the clothing of that place. That's the driver of yes. that. Yes. This might throw us way off, but I want to just throw this out there as well as I feel like 
the American system has kind of screwed up this whole kingdom of God system with the student loan debt, um, the, you gotta keep buying things to impress people and keep doing all that stuff because what it really does is it makes you so worried about yourself that you need to make your needs met that you'd forget about other people. And then work becomes, I need to do this so I can pay my bills so I don't get put on the street. So I don't do this when work is really supposed to be, how can we create value for you and for me and we can both benefit. And I feel like that's what I've really found out is that, wow, like when, when I'm so focused on my needs and what I need, it's a take, take, take relationship. I may be working, but it's, it's not working to give value to the company. It's so that I can get this paycheck and get my needs met. It's not so that I can add value to the company in any sort of way. It's literally just so I can, I can pay rent or I can pay my student bills or I can do this, which I find really interesting. Cause when you brought up that first point at the beginning of the podcast is if you weren't getting paid, how would this be different? Well, it'd be totally different. Cause then I'm not worried about paying my bills. I'm, Worried about how can I add value to the company? And, and to be able to stand up for what you are. You're not trapped by the company either. And trapped in all different sorts of senses of, hey, this is our company culture. This is what we do. Oh, now I don't have time for my family. Oh, trapped by the paycheck because I need to survive. Oh, trapped by X, Y, Z, going against my morals or going against this, but I can't give it up because I get paid too well, or I wouldn't be able to find a job anywhere else. Or yeah, it's a, it's very, very slippery. It's interesting when we step into that of the kingdom of God, it actually provides those two essentials. It, it provides a sense of order and stability because you don't have to worry anymore. Right. So there's a sense of order and stability, but then there's also a sense of living. So that word quicken says the spirit of God quickens and makes our mortal body come to life. The word quicken actually means to cut to the quick. So, you know, in your, your fingernails, you have that little white spot right at your cuticle there. So how you told, used to tell if someone was alive, you just take your thumb and you, you smash it right into that and they'll, they'll jump because there's a big nerve bunch right there. It's called the quick. So there's something we need to be alive. There needs to be something that sparks us. All those elements that our heart's really craving is all found in that. You'll find the life, you'll find the order, you find the, the fulfillment. Um, you're able to do things for other people. You're independent of the world system, but you can function in the world system. I mean, we can talk about Joseph, we could talk about Esther, we could talk about any of those characters, but they transitioned out of that. But to simplify, the question that Tommy was asking is how do we live then in this life? And the things that you guys all talked about, I still just come back to these main ideas of if we live knowing G our pursuit is to know God, his kingdom, what he's given to us operating from that realm. That's what we're seeking. That's our whole thought process, right? No different than if you're going to college, like if you want to be a job as a computer programmer or engineer, you're going to go seek out everything you can within the school system or whatever is going to get you to that place. Is that correct? 
you're seeking how to be clothed in that kingdom of engineering. So if we did that with God in that journey, you don't care if you don't have a good meal for the week because you're in a pursuit. College students don't care how well they eat, correct? You're not caring about your hygiene all that much at times. You don't care where you're really sleeping as long as you can get some on occasion. Why is that? Because you're pursuing some other kind of kingdom and it's bringing life to you. So if on the natural realm were like that, how much more, if you knew God was for us, now you're pursuing, but the, the danger is, is that we pursue God's kingdom as if it's a job at the post office. Okay, he's going to give us this good job in the post office, and he's going to take care of our needs, and here's what we're going to do for him, and da, 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 da. and you start dying. And he's like, what are you doing? Because we're still trying to find a way, how do I take care of my food, and how do I get clothed in the identity that's going to add some value to me? We're still trying to figure those two things out versus we have those things. And now we can live. And I don't think we can answer your initial question of living until those two things are established within us. And I think what you're describing is living from a place of victory in your relationship with God, right? It's not a somewhat of a victim of like, oh, I'm going to do the good, right things so I can eventually go to heaven, right? It's kind of, how can I bring heaven here with me right now? I think it's, it, I guess, possibly. The only reason I'm hesitant on that is I don't think you're, we're actually going to bring heaven here until Jesus returns to that degree, which some do believe that. I, I'm not here to split hairs over it, but mm-hmm. uh, but on the, I believe, I believe the world will get harder and harder and harder. doesn't mean our life has to be more miserable, miserable, miserable. I'm just saying, I, I think it's going to get harder, but I think we can live and develop the habits that are necessary, that are functional and have the energy to deal with the unknowns in an optimistic manner. And so still have that chaos order thing working with us, but we're still pursuing something different. I almost feel like, especially in American culture, like safety and security is almost a bigger concern than meaningfulness because even like from what like just from my personal circle what I've heard is like yeah I might not want to do this but it's like the path that has been taken before and I know like the results that it'll probably get me you know to have a good job and everything and I feel like almost in some ways that's spilled over into Christian culture sometimes it's like God is just like our safety net like for everything, like to have like the good things in life and all that. And I feel like that's why sometimes we like can get stuck in this mundane, mundane thing, even with like Christianity, like people being like, Oh, Christianity is boring or it's mundane. Like there's nothing like, what's the point of it? Because we're so concerned with like security and safety. I mean, even myself, I'm sometimes guilty of that of like, I'm not going to go do this thing because it involves risk but there's you know so i think sometimes like what we're seeing is like a mix of the culture and christianity where it's so focused on order and that's why things become mundane because like even like you're saying brian like 
don't worry about being closed, but I think that's a really big concern for a lot of people. Like, for like, what's your status? And am I gonna have enough money to have financial security? So do you think, could you go into that a little bit more? Just like virtual signaling because- I've Because you wanna keep your status. You don't wanna lose your, clo- your clothing that you've earned. You've worked hard for that clothing. So you're, you're, you've worked hard for it. So now you don't want it to go away. And it's interesting. Those are the only two things it's it, it, in that whole paragraph in Luke, where it's talking about seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added unto you. And in that, he says, I know you have need of these things and I will take care of it, but seek this first. God obviously is a good God. So he's saying that in the right order, but it also talks just before that about, you can only serve, there's only two gods you can serve, God or mammon. And then it talks about where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. And it talks about what you love. And I think it's interesting that a lot of times we do things because we don't want God to be mad at us, but we don't do it because we love God. But we love what our job gives us. We may hate our job, but we love what our job gives us. So we'll endure the pain of that job because we love what it gives us. It gives us something. We'll compromise ourselves because we love something in that, that it's going to give us. But if we would switch and just let ourselves discover how much God loves us and we love him the same, he doesn't have to give you any rules. It says in 2 Corinthians 5.14, it's the love of God that constrains us. So we don't do things because we deeply love God. It's not, well, I love God, so I can't do this. No, it's because I love God, I don't even think about doing this. And so I think our love piece is, is one of the biggest challenges in all of this. There's like, we pulled about five different elements, but back to the virtue signaling, I need to keep face. I need to save face. I need to be clothed properly. So I'm going to say the right things so I don't have to deal with the pressure of losing the status that I've spent so long to earn. But if your status came from God alone, man can't take that away from you. I think sometimes too, we almost virtue signal to God, like, because we want to maintain our status with God. Like, yeah, God, look, I've got the good face. Like, so we, you can keep on giving me the good things. You can keep on loving me. And it's almost like, again, that like culture leaking over into Christian culture, mixing there. I mean, I, I know I'm guilty of that. Like, Hey God, like, you know, just checking in today. Like, Plus the person walking into church and as they're walking from their car to, in the parking lot to the building, they're looking up, Hey, just making sure that you see that I'm, that I'm here, God, you see, I'm doing this yeah. right. And then you're taking notes during the sermon. You look up, Hey God, just making sure you're seeing, I'm taking notes here. It's really good. Isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> That's really funny that you bring that up. I just, I thought of like, there's been some times at church where I'm like, God, you know, I'm doing this just so that you, you, you see this, right? Like, I really don't want to be here. Well, I shouldn't be there to begin with. It's not a good place, like in a heart to be like in that situation. And now there is times where you do need to suck it up and you need to go to church and you need to do that kind of stuff. Okay. Now let's, let's stop right there a moment. That is a great example 
of sometimes we need the, just the discipline of doing things. If you take a kid and never make them sit and listen to someone else speak, they will never sit and listen to someone else speak. Mm-hmm. So like with my son, my daughter wasn't so much, but my son, hey, we're going to go and we're going to sit and go to church. I don't want to go. I don't want to go. Blah, 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 blah. It's boring. It's it's not interesting. Da, 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 da. I go, I just want you to know it has nothing to do with whether God loves you or not. This has to do with you have to go learn to listen to other people and to, and to be and not disrupt other people and to be in an audience. And you need to learn how to do that. It's a discipline. If we could separate the disciplines versus the identities and the values from doing it, then, then we wouldn't be sheep and clones. We could still listen, but you wouldn't be a sheep and a clone. You, you'd, you'd be an intelligent individual with discipline. So there's an example of good order. Otherwise it's chaotic. And I, th- I think something that's key there is when you can tie the discipline of doing something to the goal that's in the heart and not to the structure itself. So what I mean by that is this, I would, I would force myself to get into a practice room and just work on scales on the piano. I would force myself some nights at 1 a.m. to go over there and work on some techniques to see how to work at how fast I could get my fingers to move. I was able to do that because I understood the the goal and the purpose behind it. It wasn't tied to the structure itself of practicing X number of hours per day. Now, when I was in junior high and, and high school as a kid taking piano lessons, the discipline was tied to the structure. So the only reason I was trying to discipline myself to practice was because I had to fulfill this checkbox and show my, my instructor that how much I practice for the week. And that produced limited poor results, but we wouldn't get in trouble. Exactly. And so I could just fulfill this thing and then move on to what I really wanted to do, which was X, Y, or Z. But when I could understand that developing a discipline in something was tied to what my heart's desire was then that discipline was equally hard. It was, it was actually harder to do at that point because it was at a higher level, but it's a discipline that I engaged in and saw the value in. And in your example, so many parents drag their kids to church because you need to shut up and go to church and listen because no kid of mine's not going to go to church. I don't want to look like the bad parent who can't get their kid to church. And how well does that work out in the long run? So all of the, what you just said, Jason, was absolutely profound. And it, it stems from you love music. But there's some things that you have to do in order to be able to play with other people and to understand what other people are doing within the music realm. You have to learn how to read the notes. You have to learn tempos. You have to learn how the keys. You have to learn how to synchronize your, how to harmonize your, your instruments together, right? Those are, those are things that take a skill. To, to do. And so those things are the order pieces and they can be boring, but you had a love that kept you doing that. So very, very important, this chaos and order and having personal disciplines to accomplish those things. But the end goal is completely different. Like even a Navy SEAL, their end goal is I need to rescue the guy next to me. It really is not about them. In fact, if it's about them, they actually don't make it through SEAL training. It has to be about the guy next to you or you won't survive it. When you, when you brought up Navy SEAL, I think of Jocko Willink and one of his 
kind of uh, principles or type things is like, there's always like a right way to do things. And then sometimes you have to bend the rules in order to get that. And you have to be disciplined in this area, but you have to break the discipline to follow through and actually complete what the mission calls for. Right. And so I think that's somewhat similar to this whole thing is like, you need to have that discipline and you need to know that's the right way to go, right way to go. But you also need to know when I need to not do this and I need to go over here and do this. And I think that's very important. So if we looked at it as our disciplines are tools that we can use to accomplish and deal with the chaotic stuff we're going to have to face, like coming to Thailand on this last trip, we're in quarantine now. Everything is unknown. Every step of the way is unknown. Right now, flights don't reopen domestically till September 1 when we get out of, coincidentally, when we get out of quarantine. So how are we going to get home if they delay it one more month? We're stuck in Bangkok. How do we get back to Chiang Mai? We're living in this unknown, all right? So we could get worried. You could panic. You can become frustrated. You could become angry. Or we could step back and be confident. God, we prayed about coming. I don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. But what are the disciplines I know? How do I be cheerful? How do I keep a sense of joy? How do I keep my mind focused on the right things? How do I keep moving forward even when I don't know if my labor is going to produce anything tomorrow? Those are disciplines because your brain's going to want to say it's there's no point in doing that. But you know as well as I do, time is going to pass and you're going to go, oh, I should have done that during that time. So why not make that those tools? So I look at every discipline thing that you can learn every hard thing that you face that you with establish within yourself as character are tools to face the chaos. But if you've never swung a sword before in the time where you fought with a sword and all of a sudden you have an enemy and they have a sword, that is not the time to learn how to deal with a sword. You're going to have to learn it when you don't need it. That's the discipline. I think another comparable example to this is um, sports. Um, when you practice like a certain move, there's many times in a game where it's like, okay, I've practiced, practiced this so many times that I know how to do it, that sometimes you pull something out of yourself that you surprise yourself and you're like, whoa, where did that come from? But it came from the daily every day of like, oh, I dribbled the ball with my right hand and I got to keep doing that. And then I got to switch to my left hand and keep doing that. And I got to practice, keep practicing. And it becomes boring and it's, same old same old but then when it comes to the game it's like whoa you're able to perform because you did those things to begin with and i just think that is kind of a similar example yeah i'd agree and i think also it wasn't that you said yes to the practice you said yes to making yourself a better player and you said yes to an end goal outside of just like you didn't do practice for the sake of practice it's like there's an objective higher that's going to give meaning to doing to dribbling on a daily basis boring mundane but it, it's to a higher pursuit and a higher objective and i think that goes for anything in life like playing instruments you're not saying yes to practice so i can just play the piano a lot it's like no so i can become a better piano player and have more skills and then too like by doing that you're bringing value to yourself and to other people's around you and to other people around you by doing that, you're going to play beautiful piano music and that'll be valuable not only to yourself, but to other people. You'll be a good player 
that's valuable to yourself, but also to your team because your team needs you to practice so that you can bring value to the team and actually play well with your team and at their level that they need you to. So can, if, let me, just so I make sure I'm, I'm on the same page and we were staying within the, the structure, it's something Jason said at practice. So Caleb, are you saying in, in that illustration, so we do the discipline, so we have that daily discipline of whether it's football or you're practicing a, a musical instrument or you do those hard disciplines. But because you do, our world system would say, or a lot of people in the world, I worked hard at this thing, so you owe me for that, that area. Then another person would be more of a free spirit and can just play, but they have no discipline, they have no skill, they're just kind of a free spirit and they're, they're amazing, but they can't play within a group and synchronize what they are. So they're kind of an outsider to the piece. But if we did both, one, I'm not trying to do these things. And then if I do these things, I'm owed something. The other isn't, I'm just going to be whatever I want to be. And you have to accept me. Neither one of those two things accomplish anything for the kingdom of God. They, they don't function well. It's the blending of having both those ideas. And some people will be stronger at one and strong, but you're able to synchronize for the sake of offering ourselves to something bigger. And it's in that have the most power. That's the kingdom of God, because I'm already taken care of. I'm already clothed. And if I do those things, what ends up happening? You have value. And then people want to be around you. And then people want to supply to you. And you're, you're, you have a sense of power over a system that would try to hold you underneath it, which is why the kingdom of God is greater. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in this world. Because as you operate from that, the world can't hold you anymore but you can still offer yourself to. Yeah. Do you think a fair comparison would be like saying when you're practicing, it's not so you can be the best player on the team, but that is so you can be the most supportive of your other, of your teammates to make the team better. Like you're not doing it for the sake to be seen as the best player. It's actually for bringing value to the team itself because you can supply what other people need by being a good player not just to show yourself as the best player and if that truly was your heart you will actually train harder than if you're doing it for yourself you will give yourself more to that skill for that sake but that means you have to know god loves you your love so you can love someone else to that level but i'll tell you what that's an unstoppable dangerous person to this world system is someone who lives like that. Yeah, because that person is also willing, if they truly, if that's truly their motivation, they're willing to sacrifice themselves in the end for that cause. Like you're gonna sacrifice your time to be practicing the most. You're gonna sacrifice, you know, your, your own strength and wearing yourself out in practice and being the most tired at the end because you're putting in the most effort and then, like you're saying, you're going to be the most dangerous player on there because you're going to do whatever it takes for your team on the field because you're going to do whatever it takes for your teammates and your team to win, but not for your own selfish motivation. That's huge. 
which pretty much summarizes this whole conversation of what's the higher thing. And what's the higher thing is the power to sacrifice. And even the order won't become that mundane because you're willing to sacrifice the daily, I have to do this because it is a higher thing. It's not like just, I'm doing this because I have to, like you're down all the time about it. No, I'm willing to sacrifice now to make something in the future, even for yourself, like you have to make the decision if you want long-term, if you want like a long-term reward, like you can't do things that are just instant gratification. You have to sacrifice right now for the future, but I think it's even more powerful, like what you're saying when you're doing that for not just your own value, but for other people's because it's something outside of yourself. And then it's a lot more powerful. Uh, you asked a question earlier, what's an example of something you could do? And I'll just say this real quick is I did this with, I got tired of snacking all the time. Pretty much the COVID thing got me into this weird snack mode. And so I just went on this, it doesn't matter what I did, but I, I did juicing and it's not because I believe juicing is this big answer. I hate juicing. And it's a lot of work and it's a lot of process and a lot of cleanup and it's, it's annoying to do. So I did that for 10 days because I just wanted to annoy myself because I was, my body was telling me what to do. So I thought I would do something annoying back to tell it what to do. And then I went on this other process for the next 90 days after that, didn't have any sugar, went, got rid of a couple things that I like and I just wouldn't do it. And I didn't have to, there was no rhythm to it. There was no, like, I had this one book that I read. I just knew what I was going to get rid of. I knew what I wanted and I'm just going to do it. And it was powerful. It was amazing how much you can actually put your body back in. You are in control of your body. And it was almost a euph euphoric is not the right word, but with time I'm done, it was like, wow. I'm not having to live guided by my feelings and my emotions and my, all of that stuff. I can actually do something to take control, but I also at the same to token brought in God into the mix of it. As I let go, as I got, I want to experience something new about you. Not because fasting makes God closer to you or anything like that. It's just, I want to let go of something and meet something new about you. And I did. And it was a really a powerful little lesson. So there's things you could do, but I wouldn't necessarily say live like that, but there's things you could do to kind of jumpstart, say, wait a second, I need to be, I need to put order to that chaos, or I need to start living outside of this order that I've created. And probably too, I don't want to make an assumption. So correct me if I'm wrong, but probably when you did that, like you're saying, like you felt like you could, you know, you, you don't have to live by emotions and stuff and all that. That was probably better for people around you too, because bettering yourself as a person you're benefiting everybody else and other people are seeing that it's probably encouraging them and it's like it's just this, it seems like this great like spiral upward instead of downward like it could be the opposite situation too but it's like a spiral upward because of how you're increasing value in your own life by making those sacrifices and, and it's interesting because even in the Mark of the Beast, I, I'm not saying what it is, but I do find it interesting because throughout history, we've had pictures of it happen many times. It always controls your identity of your, of your outward appearance, where your social status is, and what you're going to eat. Don't you find that interesting? 
that the only thing the enemy can really go after is your social status and what you're going to eat. And Jesus gives the answer, the, the inoculation, the vaccine to that thought process. And we don't dig into it enough to figure out how do we develop habits and lifestyle around that new vaccine. That would be the thing that the enemy can't do to you. There's, there's rarely ever a conversation on about when he says that, because the only response the vast majority of the time is, well, obviously he doesn't mean be irresponsible and don't plan and don't do anything. So obviously he's not talking about that. And that's just all we do with it. That's all I've heard anybody say about that verse, honestly. That's all anyone wants to say, because no one will actually take it seriously enough to sit there, chew on it and think, okay, what is, what does this actually mean? Like, cause there's some implications in that. There are things that you're going to have to let go of in the way you live and the way you think, if you want to take that for real. I mean, I was thinking about you, Jason, does that verse mean what it means? Or is it just a nice cliche that Jesus says, but we're still on our own to figure out life. If that's where we're at, none of it matters. I'll be honest with you. Yep. All right, we're going to wrap it up for this episode on that. Um, And in the next coming episodes, probably a couple of them that we're going to do here, we're going to go a bit on to a little more in depth on each side of this pendulum with discipline and how that can be seen as extremely mundane, but does it really have to be? And then swing all the way over to this idea of ultimate freedom where there is no structure and no discipline. And we're going to tackle all that stuff in the next few episodes. So I encourage you guys to tune in for that. We appreciate you being here until next time. Keep the faith, stay in the fight.